Currently located in the heart of Bella Vista, New Life Christian Church has been on the front lines of ministry for over four decades. God has been faithful in every way, and the New Life family has grown exponentially. Now, with the addition of a new highway bypass and the western expansion of our great community, we have the opportunity to see our God-led multi-site vision become a reality. With 15 acres of prime real estate located where the bypass exits Rocky Dell Hollow Road, this multiple-phase vision of a West Campus is set to become reality. Our nearly 18,000-square-foot facility will feature a spacious main lobby, a modern auditorium, a secure check-in for New Life kids, awesome multi-purpose ministry spaces for kids and students, meeting rooms, and offices, which will provide our church family and community a tremendous resource that will grow with our ever-expanding community. With our eyes set on advancing the mission of Christ by helping everyone experience new life in Him, the West Campus will be instrumental in proclaiming the good news of Jesus and engaging our community for generations to come. Like with our current campus, New Life's West Campus will continue to be a place of welcome to all who step into the open and warm lobby. We want everyone who enters New Life to feel right at home and embrace the hospitality and fellowship of the body of Christ. Phase one of our West Campus will feature an intimate 300-seat auditorium perfect for worship services, but also highly functional as it can be converted into numerous multi-purpose uses which advances the mission of new life. Our West Campus provides families with an open and secure check-in area where kids will love to go. We love kids at New Life and see them as the church of today, not tomorrow. We inspire kids to follow Jesus and to build great relationships with other kids and adult leaders who set great examples for them. Oh, and we believe that it's okay to have fun at church, too. But that's just phase one of the vision. Our eyes are also set on the future and have intentionally designed a facility that will grow and expand with us. Phase one is just the beginning of what can be and what will be as we continue to put God first, amplifying the truthfulness of His Word, loving one another as Christ first loved us, encouraging and serving while helping everyone experience new life in Jesus. We believe that God cares more about where you're going than where you've been. So join us in this great adventure of letting our light shine for the Lord. Well, welcome everybody. I'm so glad you could be here today on this celebration weekend. And when I say celebration weekend, I don't mean celebration like with carnival rides and cotton candy or anything like that. It's not like we have a balloon artist out in the, the lobby today. Although, just mentioning that, I think that might have been a good idea, actually, if we had a balloon artist out there. That would have been cool for the kids. But when I say celebration weekend, what we all mean by that is that today... We are celebrating all that was given and committed to two weeks ago on our commitment weekend um, um, towards our Go West campaign. And let me tell you, friends, we have much to celebrate today. I think we could easily call this Praise Him Weekend because we've got so much to praise Him for. 
We're going to celebrate today, but beyond that, we are celebrating today this movement of God through our congregation that not even COVID could slow down. Not even COVID could slow down the the plans that God has for our church. And friends, isn't that just a great place to be, to see God move among our church family and, and, and his plans and his purposes progress forward and nothing's going to stop that. We've seen it in, in very visible ways. We've seen it in plenty of, of ways that are unseen. I can tell you perhaps the most visible way that we're seeing God move through our congregation is through life change. Have you noticed all the baptisms we've been having lately? Hasn't that just been awesome? We, we have prayed for many years that God would stir our baptistry on a weekly basis. And I'll tell you, it seems like lately, that's exactly what's happening. There's life change happening among our people in our community. I think that's awesome. You know, uh, like I, our, our young man who got baptized today, Jorgen, like I said in the baptistry, I said, this is why we exist. This is why we do what we do. There are many things that a church can involve itself with, but let me tell you, the primary mission is for people to come and follow Jesus, and that is why we do. Everything revolves around that, so to see people, life change, and to, to follow Christ and baptism, that's, that's incredible, and maybe, who knows, maybe you're next, maybe you're the next person that needs to follow Christ and be baptized, and if that's you, if God's tugging on your heart today, then we need to talk real soon. You know, another visible way that God continues to, to work and move through our congregation is through our Go West campaign. And uh, we just showed the animation again, and we showed it on the very first week of our series, and we're showing it here at the end of it. And if, if this is your first time to ever see that, I hope it inspires you. I hope it connects you to what God is doing here. And if you've seen it um, multiple times, I've probably watched that 500 times probably by now, and I'm still excited, inspired by it, just dreaming and thinking about all that God is going to do and what's going to happen and revolve around that West Campus. When we have this opportunity as a church family to become a multi-site church, expanding New Life's reach out in Bella Vista and in Northwest Arkansas and even further than that, one church, two locations for greater kingdom impact. You know, if you've been around for a while, that you know that uh, this has been years in the making. It's not like this idea popped in our heads last month and said, oh, let's go do this. No, no, no. This has taken years to get us to where we are now. But most recently, we have spent the last few months together very much intentionally focused on this path that God has put before us and what the next steps are and what it's going to take to see this vision become a reality. I mean, I've been preaching about it now for four or five weeks. We've talked about it a lot. We have mailed you more stuff in the last two months than you've probably gotten from us in the last five years. Is that true? Your mailbox has been lighting up. You've received emails from us. We've hosted two Q&A nights here at the church in the last month and a half. We've had uh, a variety of other events that have been taking place at our church all surrounding this Go West campaign. Um, pastor David, our executive pastor and I, I don't even know now how many meetings and gatherings we have had with so many of you just personally. And there have literally been hundreds of, of, form, of informal conversations that have happened all throughout this building all about our Go West campaign and what God is doing. All of that combined collectively moved us to what we called Commitment Weekend, which was two weeks ago. And so many of you gave generously and you've made commitments to our Go West campaign and it has truly been, been awesome. For the last two weeks, um, more of you have given gifts and turned in commitment cards. I think it's safe to say that I think there's been at least a commitment card a day turned in for the last two weeks since our commitment weekend. And 
We have all, all been humbled by this. You know, um, like I'll tell you a couple examples of this. I, um, after commitment weekend, our executive pastor, David, told me, he said, Joe, you know, we had a family here, very first time, they're brand new with us, and they made a commitment to our Go West campaign. Is that not incredible? Somebody who, who was here for the very first time was inspired and moved by God. Said, I want to be a part of this too. And they went ahead and commitment. That says to me, God is doing something special. I know we had several first-time guests on commitment weekend. And they came back the following weekend. I got a chance to talk with them. And I said, let me get this straight. Your very first exposure, your very first time to our church was when I was making a huge appeal for people to dig deep and be generous, and I preached on giving, and we had a big commitment weekend where people were turning in their gifts and commitments, and you still wanted to come back and be a part of this? That's amazing! And, and, and things like that humbles me. That really does. It's like, God is really doing something special if even folks that are brand new with us want to be a part of what God is doing. That, that is awesome. You know, I, I don't know if you know this or not, in case you don't, I'll, I'm happy to tell you, I have no idea who gave and who didn't give. I, I'm not privy to any of that information. Uh, it's the same way with tithes and offerings. I don't know if you tithe or not tithe. Um, it's very intentional. I just don't, don't know that information, and, and that's fine. So I, I don't know, um, in case you're ever wondering, but when David told me that, that a brand new family made a commitment, I was just so moved. I was just blown away by that. I was also very humbled by the, the fact that, um, you know, I've shared with you that our online reach has gone a lot farther than we ever dreamed. And there were folks that join us virtually every week who don't even live anywhere near us that have given gifts and made commitments to our Go West campaign. How awesome is that? That is way cool. That, I mean, that is incredible. There's folks that are never going to join us in person, but they are coming alongside and joining us in mission. And that is so cool. I mean, that's just what God is doing. For the past two weeks, I've watched uh, Sarah Q, our New Life Kids director, be drowning in quarters, nickels, dimes, and pennies as our kids have turned in their piggy banks. You, you probably don't know this, but we gave all the kids in our, our kids ministry a piggy bank that said, go west on it, and we encouraged them to be a part of the larger movement that God, we wanted them to connect with what we we're doing. And so for the last couple of weeks, kids have been bringing back their piggy banks. So every week, Sarah is counting through all these quarters and nickels and dimes, and, and it's been awesome. You know, I said, hey, Sarah, you know, we can go to the bank and have them do that for you if you want. And it's like, no, no, no. And I found out that the kids had a little bit more incentive to give than what we even gave all of you. Because if the kids brought back their piggy bank, they get to hit Sarah in the face with a pie. And uh, I heard that happen yesterday. And I thought, that might work upstairs too. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> now we're going to leave that for the kids' ministry. I'm blown away by even our children's response to our Go West campaign. I'll tell you, over the last three weeks or so, there's been a whole bunch of people that have taken the time to hunt me down and because they wanted to share their story of what God is doing in their family and how God has been stirring in them, stirring them to trust and faith and generosity through this Go West campaign. And I wish that I had the freedom to share with you these amazing stories and testimonies of, of what people are sharing with me. It's just, it's just so encouraging to see God move in that way. Now again, like I said, I don't know who gave or made commitments or the amounts or anything like that, but I do know that we had a very good, solid, broad-based response 
to our campaign. And what I mean by that is that there were a lot of individuals and a lot of families that came together to give. It's not the generosity of a small handful of people, but rather the generosity of many people coming together. And isn't that how it's supposed to be? It's supposed to be the whole church all in. And I'm just, I'm just humbling and praise God that we had a lot of participation. And it's a wonderful testimony of unity and solidarity. So I'm sure you're wondering how it all turned out. I mean, that's why you're here, right? You, you want to know? Um, so watch your emails this week. I'm going to be sending... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm joking. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you in just a minute. Um, my wife told me last night, we were talking about this. She goes, don't drag it out. Just tell them. Tell them how it turned out. And so I said, well, I, I was telling my wife, I said, here's the progression of how I'm going to get to the news. And I started to walk through it. She goes, I'm bored already. Just tell them. And, you know, my wife and I, we have very upfront conversations, okay? We're very truthful with each other. I'm going to tell you here in just a minute. But, you know, the, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. So you're like my wife. You relate to what she's saying. So the very first piece of information that we gave you was the fact sheet. Do you remember that? That thing we mailed you? And in the very first uh, communication, we told you that it's going to be an estimated $4.5 million to build our West Campus, the phase one. And that's everything. That's clearing the land to all the way to furnishing the building from start to finish. It's about $4.5 million. I'll just let you know, we did not reach $4.5 million on commitment weekend. And I've had many of you ask me, hey, Joe, what are your expectations? What are you guys thinking? Where are we going to land on this thing? And, and it's, it's something that the elders and I have spent a lot of time talking about. You know, what, what are our expectations? Honestly, I'm not sure we ever laid out any expectations because we've always had this expectation. God will provide what we need when we need it in his timing and it will be just fine. That's always been the expectation. But, you know, it's hard to kind of think through where is this thing going to land. So we really set an expectation. We know where we need to get to. And in God's timing, it's, it's going to come. But I think realistically, we all knew that uh, $4.5 million is a, is a big goal. And um, it would stretch us quite a bit to reach it by commitment weekend. So our, like I said, our expectations has always been this. God will provide what we need when we need it in his timing. And why can we say that with such confidence? Because in the 47-year history of our church family, that's exactly how God has worked and moved among us. You go back and trace the 47 years before this, God has always provided. He's a provider. And you know, none of this that we have here today happened by accident. No, God's hand was on it. Building this congregation for 47 years. We look back in the short-term history and we see how God has, has moved mightily just to bring us to where we are now. Isn't it true that usually we see God's hand more clearly when we look backwards and see what he did versus what we see right in the moment? You look back on your life and you go, oh, that's why that happened. Now I can see that uh, God was orchestrating things. We weren't quite ready, but God waited. That's how we see what brought us to this point here. And so as we move forward, we have a real peaceful calm about what's going to happen next and about this whole process. We've had a peaceful calm about it the whole time. We remind ourselves often that this is not a three-week campaign. This is a three-year campaign campaign. We're going to be at this for three years. And so that, what that means is you're not going to be hearing about Go West every time you come to church. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to be here. But behind the scenes on a daily basis, we're going to be working on Go West every single day. Now, before I share with you how uh, Commitment Weekend turned out, let me just say one other thing. Um, I'm getting to it. I said I'm getting to it. As I've shared with you in the past, God has brought into our path 
two strategic partners on this journey. The first one is an organization called Brown Church Development Group, and they've been with us from day one, working through everything that goes into a project like this. They are an organization that designed the building. They're our construction company. They're, they're working with us on this whole project. And let me just tell you something about Brown. It is so amazingly awesome to work with an organization that cares just as much about the Great Commission as we do. They're all Christians, and they feel like their purpose in life, God put them in the kingdom for the one purpose, to help churches build buildings, and that's what they've done for decades, and it's just been awesome. And I'm just so thankful for that partnership. The other partnership is with Christian Financial Resources, or what we call CFR for short. And for over 40 years, they've been helping churches financially reach all their goals. And they've been working with us for over a year now. And these two strategic partnerships have made this process really wonderful and has been really part of this peaceful, calm, and trust that we have in the Lord. And I I know all of this is going to come together. So God has always provided what we need when we need it. That's been the same in the past. It's not going to change in the future. So, but let me tell you what did happen on Commitment Weekend. Our New Life family, still coming out of COVID, charging forward in faith and commitment and generosity, you guys committed and gave over $1.3 million. And that is huge. That is absolutely huge. That is so awesome. You don't even know. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um, it, to, to be more exact, it was $1,324,053. And that's just, that is awesome. It's huge. And because of your generosity, what you've given, what you've committed to, and with these strategic partners that we have with Brown and CFR, we are able to move forward to the next phase of our West Campus, which will be working with Brown to finalize all of the plans necessary for preparation for construction. And it's, and it's just awesome. And, and I, I can't promise this and I can't guarantee this, so I don't want you to hold my feet to the fire on this one. But we had a meeting with Brown just this past week looking at timelines and and all of this, do you know there's a very real possibility that we might even be breaking ground this year? This year, that is awesome. Now, that's awesome, isn't it? Now, I can't, everything has to go right, but listen, don't hold me to that, but I'm just saying, it is possible. Now, I think about timelines a lot. I think about God's timing. The last thing I read about the new bypass is they're predicting that to be completely done and open around October, November. Are you reading the same thing I'm reading? How awesome would it be? And again, I don't know, but how awesome would it be when they open that bypass, we've got a few bulldozers showing up out there on the West property, getting ready to move some trees and break some dirt ground. Isn't that, wouldn't that be something? The last estimate I read is there's gonna be about 36,000 cars a day driving around that bypass. 36,000 cars driving by and watching God build this building. It's gonna be really something special. So you guys just keep praying about it. You guys can do math just like I can do math. And you know that we still have some mountain to climb, don't we? So let's, I just want to say a word perhaps to those of you who, who are still praying on this and weighing in, God, what do you want me to do? Or perhaps some of you are maybe hearing this for the first time. Maybe this is your first time with like, God, oh, sounds like something I want to be a part of. Just know this, that we are just at the beginning of this journey. And it's going to take three years to pull this off. And what I know is that we can do it. I know that it can happen and it will happen. And we have the potential to, to, to knock this thing out of the park. And with God's help and his timing and his ways, I know over the next three years, this is going to come together. I feel very confident 
that over the next three years, more and more people are going to join on to what God is doing right here. God will lead more people to jump on board and be on mission with us in this great movement of God um, in our community of life change. And so um, if you're still praying on this and you're just not sure yet what God wants to do, let me just encourage you to keep praying. Keep putting this before God. You can make your commitments or gifts at any time. And I know that together we've got this. Now, would you agree with me that God is good? Uh, let me repeat myself. Um, <laughs> would you agree that God is good? Yeah, yeah right. Because if we didn't agree on that, then we need to stop what we're doing. Okay. Would you agree that we have so much to be thankful for? Yeah. Would you also agree that we have so much to celebrate today? Amen. Without a doubt, the actions that we are taking right now as a church family, they will make heaven fuller. Absolutely. There are people right now in Northwest Arkansas who are living their lives without a thought for God at all. People right now who don't care anything about what God thinks about anything. People like that in the future are gonna come to know Christ because of our steps of faith and trust and generosity that we're making right now. There are people in our community who are not experiencing a crisis, but one day they will. And when they do, they will look to their Christian friends, they will look to God, they will look to the church for answers, and we will be positioned strategically to help them find their way to Jesus, that their hope and their trust and their burdens can all go to the Lord. One day, that's gonna happen. It's gonna continue to happen with our West Campus. There are people right now living all across our country. They don't know it yet, but their lives are gonna be relocated to Northwest Arkansas. And one day, God will use our church family, both here and out there on the west side, to reach them for Christ and to welcome them into a wonderful, godly family. There are children right now who have not even been born yet, but they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and follow him with their whole lives because of the steps of faith and trust and generosity that we are making right now. Friends, we do have so much to celebrate today, and we are going to have so much to celebrate in the future. And did you know that all of heaven is going to join us in this celebration? Did you know that they celebrate in heaven? Did you know that? Uh, they celebrate. There's actual celebrations in heaven. There are events and there are circumstances that happen here on earth that when they do, all of heaven rejoices. Did you know that? It's true. I want you to just take a moment and let that sink in. That there are things that happen on earth that when they do, all of heaven celebrates with it. Their actions taken down here that caused the Lord and the angels and all the heavenly hosts to dance and praise. There's one activity specifically that always links our actions on earth to responses in heaven. Do you know what it is? Once you got your Bibles, once you turn over to Luke chapter 15, I wanna show you. Luke chapter 15, I wanna tell you about an activity that links our celebrations to celebrations in heaven always. In Luke chapter 15, while you're finding that, Jesus is going to tell three parables, or you might understand them as 
three stories. These are illustrations. Jesus preached a lot through the New Testament. About one-third of all of his preaching was in the form of parables, in stories. So Jesus is trying to make a point. He's going to tell a story, an illustration, to drive that point home. He's going to tell three stories in Luke chapter 15. And the first story is about a lost sheep. There was a man who had a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders away. So he leaves the 99 behind, and he does this exhaustive search all over the hillside and country until he finds that one lost sheep, and when he finds him, he brings him back to the other 99, and there is great celebration, and there's great rejoicing in the life of that, of that person. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, he said, I tell you that in the same way, in the same way, like a guy that goes out and does an exhaustive search for one lost sheep, and he brings it back, in the same way, just like that, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? That there is a celebration in heaven that is linked to activity here on earth. And then he tells another story. It's about a woman who had 10 coins, very valuable coins, and she loses one of those coins. And what does she do? She goes on this exhaustive search. She pulls up all the rugs. She sweeps the whole house. She turns over furniture. She does everything she can to find this missing coin. And when she finally finds it, she rejoices greatly. There's great rejoicing because what was lost is now found. And Jesus says in verse 10 of chapter 15, in the same way, just like a woman who goes on this huge search for a very valuable coin. In, in the same way like that, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What does this tell us about what God truly values? That all of heaven would celebrate over one person who repents of their sins. When one person who is lost becomes found, when one person moves from being unsaved to saved, what does that tell us about God? It tells us this, that we are very valuable to God. That he will go to great lengths to bring us into his eternal family. And when that happens, all of heaven celebrates. Friends, that's why here at New Life, we celebrate life change. When somebody gets baptized, we cheer, we hoot and holler because that activity links us to a celebration in heaven. All of heaven celebrates with us. They're forever linked. And then Jesus tells this final story. This is a story about a, a son who runs away from home. We sometimes call this the prodigal son or the lost son. Let's read it together. Get your Bibles. Look at verse 11. This is what Jesus says. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. He sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, this is a very straightforward story that Jesus is telling. He says there's a father, he has two sons, and the younger son, who's most likely the rebellious son of the two, he says, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance right now. Do you know what he's really saying to his dad? Dad, I want you to die. That's what I want. I want you to die so that I can have what's coming to me. 
So in, in, in Jesus' day, if, if you were to receive an inheritance and you had brothers or whatnot, the oldest brother always got the most of the inheritance. And then it was divided up between the rest of the kids. So in this case, there's an older son and a younger son. There's two brothers. So in Bible times, the older son would have gotten about two-thirds of the inheritance. And the younger son would have gotten about one-third of the inheritance. You know what's really amazing about this story? The father agrees. The father agrees. Okay, you want your inheritance right now? Divides it up. Here's your third. And the son takes his third and off he goes. He goes, and the Bible says that he squanders it all on wild living. Now, I think we're all smart enough. We don't have to think too hard about what the Bible means when it says wild living. It means he lived it up. He partied. He indulged himself into anything that he wanted. And what happened when he did it? His life absolutely fell apart. This son soon discovers what so many people have to learn the hard way is that that kind of life, really, at the end of the day, it's just not worth it. Now, you don't have to say amen. You don't have to nod. You don't have to raise your hands when I ask this question. But how many of you know from personal experience that living the lifestyle of the younger brother of self-indulgence, unrestricted uh, pleasure-seeking, hedonistic lifestyle absolutely leads to nowhere? How many of you know that? Amen. You didn't have to say amen, but uh, okay. Just kidding. You're just true. It's true. I would guess that in a room this size, There are plenty of us in this room that used to walk that road. You had to learn about God the hard way. Well, why is it that some of us have to learn these lessons the hard way? Have you ever wondered that? You know, if you've had to learn these lessons the hard way, have you ever sat back and said, God, I sure wish I didn't have to learn this the hard way. Perhaps some of you in this room today are still on that road that the younger brother was on. And you know you're walking the wrong way. And what's even scarier is that you know that this road leads to nowhere. And you know deep down in your heart that this road ultimately leads to destruction. Now I think it's why Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. He said, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You know, at the end of the day, those who follow the footsteps of the younger brother, it's a path that leads to a very unfulfilling, guilt-covering, lonely existence. And we see this with the younger brother. So when all the money is gone and all of his fake friends have abandoned him, he is left where? In the middle of a pig pen, feeding pigs and longing to eat the pig food that the pigs are eating. Now that's pretty low, wouldn't you agree? That's pretty low. You find yourself feeding pigs, longing to have just a little bit of what they're eating. Have you seen what pigs eat? This is low. On top of that, to understand a little bit of Jewish culture, you would know that being around pigs, that's an unclean animal. So not only is he in a desperate situation, he is surrounded by the shame of the moment to be even feeding pigs and messing around with these unclean animals. This son's taken a big fall away from his father and his life choices have left him in a life of shame. 
And I'm gonna tell you, in reality, this is exactly what sin does to each and every person. Sin drives us away from our heavenly Father. Now, when Jesus told a parable, there's always deeper meaning to, this, to these stories. And in the, the parable of, this, of the prodigal son, it's really obvious to see what all of these characters represent. We know in the story, the father represents God, and the younger son represents every single person who has ever lived in this fallen world. world. That Jesus, through this parable, is showing us how sin drives us away from God, just like how sin drove this younger son away from his father. Sin creeps in, and it creates this gap. The Bible refers to this separation between God and man. This son went off to a far-off place, so he was physically a long way from his father, but spiritually, he was separated by even a greater distance from his father. Sin has separated us from God too. You know, God said this to the Israelites through the prophet in Isaiah chapter 59. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities, that's another word for sins. Your sins have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. In the New Testament, Paul says it like this in Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. And we've all been in this separation. We've all experienced it. Every single one of us. Me, you, everybody have been separated from God. And there is only one way the Bible tells us that we can bridge this separation and come back into harmony with God. And that is to go back to him through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came to this earth. That's why he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross and die there and raised back to life three days later. Every single one of us to some degree is no different than the younger son in this story that Jesus has told. We've all have sinned and we've all been spiritually separated from God. And it doesn't matter if your sins are rated PG, PG-13, or R, or worse. It doesn't matter. All of our sin have separated us from God. And that's why he sent Jesus. Jesus is the way back to God. Jesus is this bridge Back to the Father. Now look at verse 17. Very important verse in the Bible. It says, when he came to his senses. Uh, Luke 15, 17 is probably one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. When he came to his senses. You know how huge that is? When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. It's a pretty powerful response from a father. Going back to verse 17, he came to his senses. Do you realize what a huge moment is in somebody's life when they come to their senses and they realize they need God in their life? It's a great moment when a person comes to their senses and they realize they need God more than they need these worldly pleasures and the stuff that we think we want to feel fulfilled. It's a great moment when a person comes to their senses and realizes that there is nothing at the end of the road that they are currently on. 
It's a great moment when a person comes to their senses and they look up to heaven and they say, God, I need you in my life. This son came to his senses and he went back to his father and look at what happens. Look at verse 20 again. Father's long way off. The father came to fill with compassion, ran to his sons. Then look at verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. What is this son doing? He is repenting. Again, in this story, God is the father and we are the son. And there is repentance that needs to take place. That's what he's doing. I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and do what? Celebrate. Let's have a party. He says in verse 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. This son makes a very big, bold move. He humbles himself, goes back to his father and repents. And wouldn't you expect the father to be angry? I mean, you think if this happened today and you gave your son a third of your wealth and he went out and squandered it, what would the typical response be from a father today? Well, welcome back, son. You owe me some money. I don't know how your dads were. But if you stole a bunch of your dad's money, you'd expect to get paid back. Welcome home. You've got a debt to pay. That's not this father's response. I mean, you would think that he would demand the money back, but he doesn't. You would expect him to be angry, but he's not even angry. You would expect this father to say something like, well, son, we got a lot of work to do on this relationship. We got a lot of trust to build back. And so we're going to work on it slowly. And and we're going to work towards a good relationship. No, 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 no. This father says, you are my son. Remember the son was like, I'll I'll work for you. Let let me be one of your hired hands. No, 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 no. You're my son. And what did he do? The son or the father put the best robe on his son. It was probably part of the family wardrobe. It was distinctive. It was different than what the hired people were doing. No, no, no. You're my family. What else did he do? He put the ring on his finger. This was probably the family signet ring that identified you as a part of this family. Only family members wear this ring. He put sandals on his feet. Why is that a big deal? Because the hired hand that he was willing to be, they didn't have shoes. They didn't have sandals. They went barefoot. He said, no, you're going to have sandals on your feet. To top it all off, they killed the fattened calf. You know what the fattened calf is? Families like this, they would have this one animal that they would baby and they would feed it the good food and they would shove food down its gullet, hypothetically. They would make it eat and they would get this thing super fat and juicy and yummy. And when they wanted to have a, it's almost lunch, when they wanted to have a party, that's the one that we're gonna slaughter and we're gonna cook and we're gonna eat. It's a special occasion animal. This son came to his senses. He humbled himself. He said, I need my father. And what did he find? Open arms of forgiveness. Why did he find that? Because this son was of great value to his father. And all the stuff that he did didn't matter when he came home to his father. You know, there's a lot of places in the Bible that brings me to this conclusion. This is just one of them. And it's become foundational to my own faith. You hear me say it all the time. Doesn't this point to the reality that God cares a lot more about where you're going than where you have been? It works the same today. Sin separates us from God, 
But hopefully, we will come to our senses and we will humble ourselves and return to God where you will find this. Open arms of forgiveness and great rejoicing because you are valuable to God and you were lost, but now you are found. He wants you to be a part of his family. And friends, when that happens, all of heaven celebrates. There is actions that take place on earth that will link us to celebrations in heaven. And as clearly as I can share with you today, that is why we are going west. That is why we're going west. Because the lost need to be found. They are valuable to God. God has placed you in where you are in life strategically. He's put you around people that I believe in my heart he wants you to reach. God is positioning our church through our community to reach more and more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. We are a church family, and I hope you know this, that is not ashamed of the gospel. We are a church family that will preach the whole counsel of God. And that's in a, in a society that's not doing that much anymore. And I believe God's blessing our church. I think God is expanding our, our reach because I believe he knows that we are faithful with the mission. That's why we're going west. I dream of a day when, when our, 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 our influence with the gospel becomes so far reaching that it changes the landscape of Bella Vista in Northwest Arkansas. I envision a day that more and more people come to know Jesus and they'll infiltrate into the ranks of the leadership of our community. I believe there's a day coming when at POA meetings and council meetings and business meetings and every other kind of meeting that affects the quality of life here in Bella Vista, there's come a day when the people will ask, what do you think God would want us to do? And wouldn't that be something? I believe that's the kind of movement and the life change that can take place in our community. And where is it gonna really be, be starting out of, it's gonna be out of the faith and trust in God and the generosity of the saved to change our community. That's why we're going west. Because every last person around us is valuable to God. And we're all prodigals who need to come to our senses and return to their father. God's gonna use the New Life family to be the hub of that activity here in Bella Vista. God will provide what we need when we need it in his time. And we're gonna change this community for the Lord. Isn't it great to be a part of a church like that? Isn't it great to be a part of a movement of God that is seen and unseen in so many ways? Let's pray about it. Lord, I just, Lord, it's, it's good to, to just really dwell and think about all that you're capable of. And like your word says, and we've been looking at this every week, that you can do more than what we can imagine. You're capable of more than our hopes and dreams. And you wanna do that through your church family. Lord, I pray that you fill us with boldness and courage, stick-to-itiveness, Faith and courage, Lord, to help us see this through. Lord, I pray for anybody in our room today who right now perhaps is walking the path of the younger brother. Lord, I pray that they today have a Luke chapter 15, verse 17 awakening. They come to their senses and they'll say, I'm gonna go back to my father. And there'll be repentance and Lord, what they will find is what your word says, open arms of forgiveness, say, welcome home. I love you so much. You're so valuable to me. 
So Lord, if there's any younger brothers among us, help us come to our senses. Lord, for the rest of us, encourage and strengthen our faith, Lord. Grow our knowledge of you. Lord, mold and make our church family into exactly what you want and need to change the landscape of our community for Jesus. So that, Lord, we'll celebrate on earth as we celebrate in heaven, forever linking um, our church family and what happens in heaven together forever until one day we are all together in heaven. Lord, we pray that you just make heaven fuller and fuller and fuller. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.